Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I went back and just called out to God really and just said I need answers um, beyond man's wisdom and beyond man's approach. Mm. I need to know that if I embark on this journey of IVF that I'm covered by your sovereignty and by your grace and your permission, I guess, to do it. It was like, if I choose to do this, am I effectively murdering? (laughs) Like, it was pretty, pretty full on. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when Shelley Scowan went to visit her in-laws in New Zealand, she brought along her portable recorder and was able to capture some compelling conversations. One of those was with her friend Debbie Hoffman, who unfortunately had a period of time that she struggled with infertility. Today, Debbie will share some of the ups and downs that she and her husband went through as they tried to have their first child. We have two beautiful girls now. How old are they? We've got Abby, who is six, and Amara, who is four. Right, so they're keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah, motherhood is great. Yeah. Very, very busy though. Yeah. You're a stay-at-home mum at the moment? Stay-at-home mum, yep, yeah, and um, fill my days quite easily. <laughs> very busy. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't have it any other way? Wouldn't have it any other way, not at all. Yeah, if I yeah. knew that this is what I waited for, then I would have waited a lifetime. Totally. Yeah. 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 When did you guys get married? Um, when we were young. We, we've been married for coming up 18 years. I was 20. So, yeah, quite young. Yeah, pretty young, yeah. <laughs> um, Greg was 22. Um, and then we decided that five years would be the, you know, the magic number to start trying for a family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so 25. Yeah. Worked the maths out on that. Um, but, yeah, it didn't, didn't happen. So ended up trying for seven years to fall pregnant and massive journey uh, wrapped up in all of that. And, um, mm. yeah, I mean, partly it was... Uh, the birth of our niece eh, that sort of sparked it when we saw the magic of creation <laughs> and that mm. little baby that arrived and the amount of love that we had for a niece let alone our own children that um, got us thinking that now was the time but yeah so a year into trying and nothing was happening no pregnancy mm. that's discouraging very much so because you think six months they sort of say six months should happen and so we thought we'd just keep it hush because any minute now any month will be the month that we're announcing it rather than yeah. another month of a failure so we decided between us that we'd wait till a year before we let our parents in on the journey and our pastors as well so yeah that year anniversary came around where we thought we'd be announcing that we were pregnant and that never happened we had to announce that we'd been struggling for a year mm. so then that's when the doctor's journey started and something that's intimate became invasive absolutely <laughs> something that's private became public I, can we just stop there sure. i think it's really cool that you did actually let people in on the journey absolutely. rather yeah. than just suffering away in silence yeah. and and hoping that it might happen yeah i think it's actually really cool that yeah. you let in some really close people in your life yeah because as you go through the journey and it gets harder and it gets longer and it gets more invasive and you know just everything ramps up mm. there are times where we didn't have the faith to believe at mm. all. There wasn't even enough faith to cry out sometimes. And yet we knew that our supporters were there. All it was was like an email or a text or a phone call and say, please pray. And we were able to lean on the faith of others. And that's what ultimately got us through away some of the particularly hard moments. Mm. So, yeah, if you don't let people in, I mean, it's a tension because you just don't never know. You don't ever know. 
when is going to be the month that you announce we've got a baby on the way yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah I think the sooner you can bring trusted friends and family in then you're not doing it alone yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise you're bouncing off each other and that's great because sometimes you're up and they're down or vice versa and you can get each other through but when you've got people that are completely disconnected then it's it's just another level of support so off to the doctor yeah so off to the doctor who he referred us i don't know if you have it in australia natural family planning so teaching you the natural way of conception mm-hmm. not sure if he thought that we didn't know what we were doing or <laughs> just <laughs> took us there to check it all out i don't know so that was quite i think we were there for three months and we were um, seeing a naturopath alongside that just to help me um, physically as well. Um, but yeah, that came up with nothing as well. <laughs> so back yeah. to the doctor um, who then referred us to our specialist. So it was a long way around getting to a point where we can be referred to someone that could help us and to start discovering what the actual issue was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that process was the big question of whether we were going to do IVF or what medical options were available that we felt comfortable with because at the time we had well I particularly Greg not so much but I had quite an issue with the IVF process and um, the ethics behind that basically we tried um, we tried drugs clomiphene we tried um, a technique called IUI which is artificial insemination we tried IVF we tried um, tapping on the door of the adoption process went to training for adoption so that we could become adoptive parents Um, so yeah we pretty much covered all our bases yeah (laughs) knocked on a lot of doors and tried a lot of door handles so yeah Mm. which I think is great um for you guys like you say it's good to be knocking on the doors because that's the way that God moves we can't just sit back and and say God you know make something happen when you're not out there knocking on the door the fact that we tried for that time done the natural way and it still wasn't working then in order for us to get our miracle we felt we needed to at least try doors Mm. and allow the sovereignty of God to breathe over each of those decisions that we made yeah because ultimately he will use whatever (laughs) to get his plan across so but his plan isn't always the one that we want no and you came to quite a point about three years into the into the process tell us about your time at the sisters conference yeah so i was on staff um for our church but on staff being it was purely and simply a job like i had quite a bad attitude um while i was there i was quite cynical towards church leadership i didn't have um, a great attitude. So I wasn't you were doing admin work at the admin, time. Admin, yeah, yeah, secretary for the church. So I wasn't in a great space personally anyway. Went to the sisters' conference almost kicking and screaming, a little bit reluctant. Knew I needed to go but didn't really want to be there. Um, but it turned into uh, like a transformer, <laughs> like just amazing moment of my life. So um, Pastor Donna Crouch from Hillsong Australia was the keynote speaker. I think it was the opening night. She spoke from Isaiah 54, which is saying, O barren woman saying, you who have never born a child, goes on to say increasing, enlarging the place of your tent, um, getting your tent curtains wide. And basically from that, um, I, I could hear sing O'Baron woman sing I thought well she's talking to me <laughs> I felt mm-hmm. like I was the only person in the room um, and then as she started to talk about enlarging and increasing and um, inc- increasing territory and just words that I hadn't really considered for my life I realised in that moment that God was starting to birth something in me naturally I guess of a dream that was purpose beyond my infertility Yeah. up until then I was living to get pregnant so probably not really living Mm. And from that moment, I responded to the older call. I went up the front. Um, it was hard, like seeing a barren woman saying they're worshipping. And in that moment, I had tears streaming down my face. 
but truly in worship, singing to God. But the prayer of my heart was, even if I don't fall pregnant, I'm going to be okay with that. I just want to do what you want me to do. Like, I just want to be building a church, whatever it is, you know, just use me. Yeah, And that's the reality for a lot of people. I mean, we're sitting here talking to you and you do have your two yeah. daughters yeah. now. And yeah. so it's all ended, ended the yeah. way you wanted it to. But I didn't to. know then. No. <laughs> At all. And there'll be people listening today that didn't yeah. get their children yeah. out of it. And yeah. they've had to just come to that place of going, yeah. you know what, God, this is what you've given to me. Yeah. Living what, while yeah. you are alive, yeah. regardless of what. What could have been, or yeah. what might have been, yeah. or what you hoped what you might have been, for, yeah, or what you've had to grieve, or whatever. It's finding the purpose while you've got breath. There is purpose in every situation. There's mm. purpose. So, and it wasn't an easy road for you after that. It's not like you just miraculously became no. pregnant. No, it wasn't. It was still a long road. Yeah, it, it wasn't a good luck charm. Respond to the article. Give my life to God completely, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get pregnant. Would have been lovely, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't um, that at all. But came back to my local church and met with my pastors. And I said to them that if I don't shift something, change something, get involved, then I'll be running. And they took it as a positive of, yes, yeah, you'll be running <laughs> with us alongside us. But actually, I mean, I'll be running away. And so um, very graciously, they started to give me opportunity and invited me closer to them as pastors. And um, from that point, so three years in and the next four years, um, just developed myself and my character and my spirituality, and my emotional health. So much of a transformation took place from when I was trying and to the end when we fell pregnant. And that in itself is a miracle of what took place in my own think, personal world. In hindsight, if you had have gotten pregnant when you were first trying, mm. it would have been me. a bit of a disaster? I don't think I would be who I am today for a start, but I don't think I would be where I am today in my spirituality and my relationship with God. Mm. I think something would have fallen off the shelf totally. I think I would have gone AWOL. I would have isolated myself, gone internal. Uh, yeah, it, it does scare me to think where I could have ended up, but... Um, yeah, and you're still on a journey, obviously. Totally. Too. Yeah, but I also so think too, like my girls, challenges. they're so lucky that they have actually got a more functional mother. Yeah. <laughs> had it been at the time when I thought now's the time and we're ready to go, yeah. actually, no, God knew that. No, you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of growing up, a little bit of maturing. You're listening to the story. Today, Shelley Scowen is in New Zealand, sitting down with Debbie Hoffman and having a chat about her journey with infertility. We'll find out more of her story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen in New Zealand, sitting down and having a chat with Debbie Hoffman about her journey with infertility. Before the break, we heard how she and her husband were struggling to have a child. Now we'll find out what happened next in her life as she begins to look into IVF. Of course, IVF is one of the the obvious um, choices these days. But you had some pretty big problems with it, didn't you? I did, you? yeah. Yeah, so quite an ethical dilemma. I probably should just preface what I'm going to say and um, that this is my conviction. 
and I feel God led me to this point, but if there's listeners that have got the same ethical dilemma, can you seek wisdom and seek questions and answers from God? Cause, Absolutely. Yeah, this, this is just my conclusion. It doesn't mean that it's right for other people, so yeah. if that's all right to it say. It was God's word for you totally. and your journey for yeah, you yeah, and your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, very, very fortunate that friends of ours um, had a contact whose brother was a IVF specialist in Sydney, so a top specialist in Sydney. Uh, and I was able to talk to him, Christian specialist, and just float some of my fears of the whole IVF process, particularly the biggest one was that if you fall pregnant with the first embryo transfer and you have some in storage and you discard those, is that equal to an abortion? Mm. So that was my main thing. And how That is a huge one. It's <laughs> yeah, one that I wondered about as well. How can I reconcile that? Um, am I playing God if yeah. I take a sperm and an egg and, and manipulate the situation so that it happens. Like and even you choosing, oh, I want that one and that one. Yeah, yeah the doctors choosing the most viable embryo. Like there's definitely, there was a dilemma around it all. He pitched that, that you can't say when something has the potential of life. Uh, so when you're talking about an embryo, it may have been fertilized naturally within the woman's body and it still be passed out and not survive mm. month by month. That just, can happen pretty regularly. Yeah, it's just because something's fertilised doesn't mean that it is a viable pregnancy that sticks and stays. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, he unpacked it a lot more than that. I'm probably not doing it justice to what he said, but it was enough for me to get peace from man that ethically the IVF process is solid. It wasn't enough for me to hear just from men, though. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I went back um, and just called out to God, really, and just said I need answers um, beyond man's wisdom and beyond man's approach. Mm. I need to know that if I embark on this journey of IVF that I'm covered by your sovereignty and by your grace and yeah. your permission, I guess, to yeah. do it. And he led well, me. Because you actually had a conversation with someone yeah. um, where you, you kind of felt, if I do IVF, mm. will God send me to help? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It was it a was pretty that, massive yeah, thing it you, was, it? Yeah, it was a very black and white decision for me. There was no grey. It was like, if I choose to do this, is am I effectively murdering? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was pretty, pretty yeah. full on. Um, so, yeah, I ended up um, getting a scripture, and all it was was a simple line that said life is in the blood. And I literally took that to mean that God was saying, and as, as we know, an embryo has everything that it needs to be able to survive outside of the body in the IVF process for three to five days, maybe seven days, as a blastiosis, they're called. Mm-hmm. Once it gets embedded back or um, put back into the woman's body, then it needs to find its right place and begin to embed and draw nutrients from the mother. And the I've, life comes the from life the blood. The life comes from the blood. Um, another um, side note is that I'd met with somebody that, um, a significant prominent woman in ministry um, who has got adopted sons. And I was able to have a lunch date with her and just talk through the adoption process because I thought that was the process we were going to be going down. Mm. And in that moment, she talked on the sovereignty of God. Don't ever forget about the sovereignty of God that regardless of how hard it gets or how bad it gets or how out of control it feels, that God will still use every situation to bring about his plan. Mm. And I left that and the fact that I was going into IVF with the right motive, I left it that if it wasn't supposed to be, that God would close that door even. Yeah. He still has the sovereignty to be able to say, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. So Because he had been closing doors left, right and centre for yeah, you for just, other things. Yeah. yeah. So I just felt safe um, in the hands of God with the journey, really. 
yeah yeah so you started taking steps mm. um towards ivf yeah but it didn't go to plan initially no no um so yeah so we did our first cycle of ivf which um, normally you'd get a fail um either you might not have enough eggs to that that you can take out of the body to fertilize or you you go through the whole process and then your your pregnancy doesn't survive so mm-hmm. yeah that's generally where it fails but right. for us it failed at the time we'd taken our eggs out um and the sperm had been introduced into the petri dish left overnight to dance the night away um and we were expecting a phone call in the morning to say how many eggs had fertilized and that's when we discovered that nothing had happened overnight so um, was it then a whole nother month of waiting um, or, or what oh, happened heck, i don't remember i think maybe three four four months before we went back again well, yeah yeah because it's such a massive process physically with injections and true yeah it's, it's not an easy road um just physically and emotionally and spiritually yes. as well it's pretty battering yeah so we took our time to heal our soul before we jump back on well the as much as you can in a few months yeah <laughs> yeah i don't think yeah. ever even now i think there's still remnants of the journey there yeah. you know it's always going to be there um yeah. but yeah so jump back on the bandwagon and um, they did a different technique the second time where they actually injected the sperm straight into the egg um, which resulted in a positive fertilisation and I think we had about 13 13 viable eggs that could be used or embryos Um, and we ended up having one transferred back which resulted in our first successful pregnancy with Abby (laughs) yeah a little miracle yeah (laughs) Yeah. an uneventful pregnancy and and Um, yeah no it was great yeah yeah Yeah, as far as pregnancies and births go (laughs) she was all good anyway all healthy and and here she is today yeah and she's lovely yeah yeah Abigail was born she was great yep then you start thinking about number two. Did it enter your mind that it might happen naturally, or did you go straight, let's go IVF? Or? We didn't even know if we'd be able to have another child. Like, it was, if Abby was all we got, we were stoked. That was, A, we were just so, so blessed. But mm-hmm. we still had embryos left over from Abby's um, cycle, and so we thought, let's give it a shot. Let's try naturally for three months. If it doesn't work, then we'll go and start using our embryos that were left over. So, yeah, three months didn't work. (laughs) With Amara, we we decided to do the embryo transfers, but we did two um, and both failed. And so I guess we were kind of resolved that it's not likely to happen. We're going to be a one-child family. Went away on holiday and um, I was actually late, (laughs) five days late. (laughs) So I, um, I thought, well, this is... Out of responsibility, if I'm pregnant, then I need to be making some choices about multivitamins and keeping myself healthy. And you know, because you hadn't been taking for, I was not preparing for a pregnancy because I just had two failed embryo transfers. So I'm not going to likely get pregnant naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had this feeling that I might be pregnant, and because we were away from home and didn't want family in on it, because this could be the time that we actually get to announce that we're pregnant without anyone yeah. knowing, we snuck off to the mall and bought a pregnancy test, and I went into the public toilets <laughs> like a little teenager who was afraid of telling their parents, <laughs> and um, yeah, I had my pregnancy test and found out that I'd conceived naturally wow. for our second child, so absolutely blown That's away, awesome. absolutely blown away. The way yeah. God works is just yeah. cool. <laughs> and confusing yes. all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, two miracles in our home that we get to yeah. live with every single day. And they are gorgeous little oh, yeah. girls too. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's I said before at the start, if I knew that those were the eyes that I was going to stare into for the rest of my life, I would have waited 15 years 
like mm. retrospectively knowing what we have now who we have mm. the blessing that they are it's just yeah it's overwhelming to yeah. think but it's yeah. not an easy journey I mean you've talked a lot about the emotional and the spiritual side yeah. of it yeah but even just physically you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of drugs involved mm-hmm. it's a, an invasive process yeah. on something that really should be very intimate between us exactly and wife. yeah it's not yeah. really a very pretty process is it not at all no and even um, going back to Abby's cycle when we were having our eggs harvested is what they call it um, there was I think 13 people in the room oh that's Eight lovely people there was a lot like Come it was definitely in. not <laughs> A private matter yeah. of conception. Yeah. yeah. Which then I guess is a bit of a thing emotionally for you as well yeah. to, to yeah. get through those days. Yeah. And, yeah. and even yeah. like I know that some people have the question of if it's not um, a natural conception, A, will I love the child the same? Mm. Because was it made out of love? Well, when you're in a room with eight different people and it's all clinical and medical and, and, yeah. and uh, there's, no, you know, there's no love in the room right then. <laughs> I'm yeah. dragged up to the eyeballs on pain relief. <laughs> you know, So I understand that people are concerned that they won't bond or love that child or um, you know there's a lot of doubts that get raised out of that whole process but I can guarantee absolutely 100% that the bond is there mm-hmm. and conception regardless of how it took place was still magic and God's it's hand still, was still on it's it it's still miraculous <laughs> yeah. yeah for the amount that fail the percentage that fail there's still yeah. an element of miracle that the children are created in that environment yeah 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 well even the fact that you can, you know, that he created the sperm and the egg yeah. and yeah. it can grow into this human being is yeah. just I know, it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, there's only so yeah. much that the doctors can do. Yeah. The rest of it is up to God, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Mm. Another major factor when it comes to IVF is the financial yeah. aspect. We're talking over $10,000 sure, yeah. each cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's a fairly major thing, you know, yeah. particularly when you have a failed cycle. Yeah. Massive emotional burden. Yeah. Probably physical burden too. Mm-hmm. And then now we need to save another $10,000 yeah, so we can try again. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, and I can see why marriages don't survive the journey for the amount of strain and the amount of pressure that ride on the couple. Mm. It, it, I think it goes unnoticed yeah. by a lot of people that aren't in the worlds of those that are going through it. But I think one one thing that I recommend to people that are on the journey is start to make room for your miracle. So if you're expecting to be a one-income family when you have a child, drop down to one income, even though you're not pregnant. So you start saving that money right from the outset. You have the mindset that you're making room for your miracle. Yeah. Um, emotionally, what what do I need to be working on in my in my heart, in my mind, that's going to make me a better person? You make room emotionally. Physically, am I? Healthy? I think that goes for anyone, really, preparing yeah. to get married or preparing to have Anything. kids. You need to be prepared. The infertility journey parallels with so many areas of um, trust and faith. Mm. You might be waiting for your life partner. Yeah. You might be hoping for a new job. You might be, I don't know, like all this, the big life things, they're, they're all parallel. It's its making sure that you are becoming the best person that you can while you're on the journey. Exactly. Yeah. And so the financial Making thing, use of that time while you're waiting. Yeah. 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 What, what, again, what's my purpose while I wait? What, what can I be doing today? It might be the hardest thing to wake up and even feel purpose in your grief and in your pain. But, you know, just asking God every morning, what, what is it today, God? What, you know, who do I need to talk to today? What what can I do to encourage somebody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has this changed you as a person? Oh man, I don't recognise myself. Yeah. Yeah. From the person that I was when I was twenty five to who I am now, or who I was when I, you know I first fell pregnant, even completely different person. 
I think yeah. some of that just comes with motherhood as well. Yeah, so I'm talking before yeah. being mum, mum. Okay, yeah. Yeah, at conception. So yeah. even, yeah, way, way before, just the transformation that took place of God revealing who I was in him and who he was to me, um, that my infertility was not based on um, who or, or what I'd done, who I was or what I'd done, yes. or um, the understanding of his grace and his love for me, his acceptance, that there was nothing that I could do that would make him make me get pregnant, and there was yes. nothing that I was doing that was making him think, Stop you yeah, pregnant. you're not going to have a baby. He was not withholding from me. Mm. He was always alongside of me. He was mm. always there with us every step of the way. So yeah. there's all that kind of deep stuff that was going on throughout the journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Mm. Debbie, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing your story. As we said, it is a personal mm. story, but it's such an encouragement to so many people, whether they're struggling with infertility or maybe something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God's having a word to them about waiting, yeah. waiting patiently and preparing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I trust it's been a real encouragement to lots of others. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you. No worries. That was Shelley Scowan in New Zealand having a chat with Debbie Hoffman about her journey with infertility. And it was very insightful to hear how Debbie grappled with the issues surrounding in vitro fertilisation. Obviously, her concern was not to do anything offensive to God or that would not value human life. And as we heard, ultimately, the outcome was a happy ending. However, as we all know, that's not always the case for couples struggling with infertility. If this is an issue that you're currently dealing with, and you'd like someone to pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we would love to pray for you at that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Debbie's story and all the insights she shared. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I was a little kid, when attending the church in um in Malawi, one day a preacher preached in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, that said, For I know the plan I have for you, declared the Lord, um, the plan to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and the future. So that verse became like a strong bond in my life. So every time I keep thinking about that. Philbert was born in the Congo and he and his family were refugees in various African countries before eventually migrating to Australia. He'll share his adventurous life journey and how he put his faith in the Lord next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.